Thank you. I do have lots of energy, so are we ready to go? But they only gave me 25 minutes, so I don't know how this is going to work. I could talk for a couple hours, but, but uh, I'm excited to be here. And um, I landed on Monday, and I get to hang out in the UK for two weeks. And um, we're going to have uh, a little bit of uh, fun tonight, hopefully, um, because God is in this place. Uh, it's just amazing to see what God is doing in your church. And so I get to spend time with your team, your leadership team today, and uh, just excited about the vision of where God is leading you guys, um, and, and excited just to walk alongside you and see what God is going to do in the midst of that. So, uh, as they said, you know, my, I have two kids, uh, my son and, and my daughter, and then I have a wife uh, named Bianca. Bianca is uh, full of energy. She is half Mexican and half Puerto Rican, so we call her Mexican, and she's got lots of energy, and she talks with her hands, and she goes crazy, and you know, I mean, she's amazing, but uh, she's my better half. And uh, I'll meet up with her uh, in London this weekend. Um, But we get to talk tonight about something that's really, really passionate uh, and really God has put on my heart to share with you. And that's really this idea of mission. Um, I got to hear a little bit about your vision and and, and what you guys are doing as a church. And we we talked about being a bridge into the community. We talked about building up the church. And we talked about being a blessing to those around us in our communities. And so tonight... We really want to talk about God's heart for mission. And now, I say that, and, and I know probably this is at least what I would think. You know, when you say, it's kind of, is this Mission Sunday? Are we going to talk about missions again? And, and we all kind of, a little bit of us, if you're honest, we all kind of go like this to missions because the image I get is going to that remote place. Uh, there's a hut involved, and, and it's bad weather, and big bugs, and I, 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 God, don't call me to do that. I can't do that. Europe is okay, but this I can't do, right? I mean, we all kind of have this image of missions. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to walk you through a little bit of Scripture in the Old Testament, New Testament, kind of go on a journey. And I want you really to discover uh, God's heart for missions. And, and it's so much more than uh, those remote places. It, it, it is something of who he is. And, and I could argue that so much of what we see in Scripture is really God's heart to invite us into his story to reach all of humanity. And so I want to invite you into that tonight. We're going to talk about a story of a character in the Bible, and I'm going to tell you some stories uh, of people who are living uh, on mission, and so we'll kind of go for there. Does that sound good? You guys, you guys ready for that? Um, so let me pray, and, um, and, and then we'll just dive into walking through a little bit of Scripture tonight. So, Lord, you are just uh, an amazing God, and Lord, we are not deserving of your grace, and we are thankful, and we are honored, and we are humbled that you would choose to send your son so that we could have life. And Lord, we are thankful for the story that you have been writing, and we don't understand why you want to use us, but Lord, your, your plan is to use us to reach this world, Lord. Lord, let our stories be a reflection of your story, Lord, and we just ask that you just move in a powerful way tonight, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one thing uh, I find out is there's a lot of people when I travel internationally that um, uh, I was in Germany, and, and they said, you know, Americans like to be comfortable. Have you guys heard that about Americans? They like to be comfortable. So they created this room where I met with the staff, and they put the air conditioning, because Americans have to have air conditioning, right? And they cranked the air conditioning to like 19. It was like freezing in there. Everybody that would come in, it was like 36 during the day, and they'd come into this air conditioning room. But, you know, I, I'm always amazed at how much um, we as human beings like the idea of comfort. 
The other day, uh, I went for a walk with my kids, our house. You know, Americans don't walk anywhere. We have to drive everywhere, but we decided to walk. I challenged them. And it was a little under a mile, and we said, hey, the, there's a reward at the end. We're going to have ice cream. If you walk this far, and we'll kind of talk, and we'll hang out, we get ice cream at the end. This is all good. And so we get walking along this journey, and so, you know, about halfway in, my, my kids start to complain, and I just keep them focused on the ice cream at the end of the road, right? You know, we're going to get ice cream. It's going to be good. You can have ice cream. And so we get there, and my son, you know, they have ice cream, and they're excited. And then my son says this, Papa, I can't walk back. Can we call Uber? You know, and so you're just amazed at the idea of comfort um, that we want. We want convenience, and we want comfort. And, and I'll say this about God's heart for mission. God's heart for mission, and this is really what tonight is about, is a war against our desire for comfort. Let me say that again. God's heart for mission is a war against our desire for comfort. And I'm going to show you that as we get to dive into the Old Testament. And so if you guys have your Bibles, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And I'm just going to point out, i got to watch the time, 25 minutes, right? Because we could keep going all through this. Okay, so Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, kind of introduces what I think is one of the central themes that you're going to see in all of Scripture. And so we're going to kind of camp on this, and then we're going to go through some other examples. And like I said, we'll tell a story uh, of what this looks like uh, today. And this is really the story of Abraham, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And I want, you to be, uh, I want you to pay attention to a word that is used in all of these passages I'm going to talk about today. And it's this idea of go. You see, God is never concerned with keeping us stationary. He is having us on the move, moving towards him and stepping out in faith. I know Mike Pilavachi was here a couple weeks ago, and he talked about obedience. That's all God asks us to do is be obedient. And so you're going to see this word, go, and we're going to talk about what that means for you. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go, from your country, your people, your father's household, everything that makes you comfortable, go. To the land that I will show you, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen to this, all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Not just Americans, not, not just the English, not just the Germans. All the people in the world will be blessed. And, and this, this is kind of this central theme that we're going to talk about today as we, do, we go through Scripture, is this idea that God says, will you just be obedient to me? Will you just step out in faith? Will you just go? And I have a heart to bless every single person on this planet. But I'm going to do it through you. And so this is this theme that starts to happen through Scripture. And you'll see where he calls people in the Old Testament. And he says, go. And he gets an opportunity to bless them. And you'll see that people resist. And they go, no, we want to be comfortable. We can't possibly go. This is going to be too painful. And God says, if you don't go, I'm going to make you go. And so he continues to move. And he says, my heart is for all people to come to know me. You know, and what's amazing about that is if you just think about it, uh, that's his story that he's writing. In the Bible, all this story is that God has this heart for every single person on the planet to know him. And that's our story. 
Nobody else gets to tell that story. Nobody else gets to invite people into that story. That's our story that we are tasked with sharing with the world. And so he's inviting us to go. He's inviting us to step out. He's inviting us to watch what he's going to do through us as we step out in faith. And so he shares that with Abraham. And then, in, you know, in Exodus, and we'll come back to Exodus as we talk about the story of Moses, uh, he says to Moses, go and set my people free. And, and it's not comfortable for Moses. He's got to do the 12 plagues. Or, you know, he's got he's to go crazy, and he gets rejected, and, and then he gets chased, and he's got to part the Red Sea. And, and then they get to this place where they go, here's the promised land. And, and a journey that would have taken 11 days, God says, you were disobedient. You, were, you want your comfort. They wanted to be back in slavery. They wanted to be comfortable. And God said, what, would ta- what was going to take you 11 days is going to take you 40 years because you want to be comfortable. And, and then Joshua comes along after Moses. And, and to Joshua, he says, you get to go into the land that I've given you. You get to go into this promised land. And, and he gives them these words of wisdom. He says, be strong and courageous. Not because it's going to be safe and comfortable, but because you're going to need courage and you're going to need strength as you go forward into this new season. And so we see God's heart just just kind of resonating, saying, hey, I'm inviting you to go. I'm inviting you to step out. I'm inviting you into the unknown, and I want to bless the world. I want the world to know me because you step out, you go. And that's God's theme that he does. If you look at Ezekiel, it continues, Ezekiel 36. We see a story uh, of where the people have chosen to be comfortable. And and God gets a little angry with them and he says, I'm going to do this despite you and I'm going to do this because it's about me, it's not about you. And it's about me coming to know and being in relationship with the world that's lost and broken. And if you go to Ezekiel 36, verse 16, um, he paints this picture uh, of the people that have kind of, he uses the word profaned my name. If you look at verse 20, and wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, for it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave this land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. You know, and as a kid, when I was in like, you know, the, the, the classes, uh, and you hear the word, you know, do not take the Lord's name in vain, you know, you think that's really about cussing, right? So as a kid, you're like scared, you're like, I better not use the Lord's name in vain, I better not say those bad words. And, and, and really what he's talking about is not profaning, saying bad words, saying the Lord's name in vain. What, what profaning means is this. Something that was meant to be holy, you make ordinary. Let me say that again. Something that was meant to be holy, you make ordinary. And so what God is saying in this passage is he's saying, hey, you're living in such a way that nobody knows me, that nobody knows that you follow me, that nobody knows the one true God. You have made my name ordinary among the nations. And God says, my heart is for my name to be known so that people can have a relationship with me. Again, you see this theme that's happening all throughout Scripture where God is saying, my heart is for people to know my name. 
And he is willing to do whatever it takes for people to know his name. And the great thing for us is we get to be invited into this story. And we get to be his hands and feet. And we get to be the ones that he has chosen to display what the gospel is about to a lost and broken world. And yet, I'm surprised by how much I desire to be comfortable. You know, I was on the way over here uh, on my flight, and there was um, lots of space on the plane. It wasn't a full flight, and I, and I had one of those exit rows, so I had lots of leg room. And, and I sat down next to this guy, and, uh, and there's a whole row right here. So I'm kind of I'm eyeing this roll, row over here. I'm like, you know, this will be way more comfortable. This is going to be great. And so I sit down, and this guy sitting next to me um, is, is obviously um, gay. And, and so in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to have a conversation. He's really wanting to talk. He's, like, all excited about this trip. He's, you know, he's just, he just wants to chit-chat. It's one of those guys on the plane that you're like, I don't want to sit next to this person because I just really want peace and quiet. And God just said, Matt, have a conversation with him. And so I got to talk to this guy. And sure enough, you know, kind of the card that you play, he's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I have to tell him what I do. And I go, I'm a pastor. And he goes, really? And I could see he trying to tried to test me in terms of, hey, are you going to judge me? And I just said, I just got to love him. I just got to extend grace to him. He started talking about his boyfriend. I got to pray, you know, just, hey, I love that you're on this journey. I wish you the best, you know, bless you. And so we had this great conversation where I got to plant some seeds in his life. And yet, if I had not been willing to go, to step out, to tell that story, and had been all about, you know, this row looks really nice, I can lay down, this is great, I'm comfortable, I can put my legs up. If I had been about comfort, I would have missed this opportunity to share God's story with him. And so he continues on this theme. And it goes into the New Testament where God chooses to send his son. And you, hear, you know the famous passages. You've got John 3.16. You know, for the whole world, his heart for the whole world. In Luke 5, he, he says to his disciples, come and follow me. Again, he's saying, will you go? We are going to go on this adventure. We are going to make my name known among the nations. And he constantly is inviting people on that journey. You see in Matthew 28... He, he, the passage where he says, you know, the last commandment, the famous last commandment, he says, uh, to go and make disciples of all nations. And he's inviting us, will you be willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of people knowing me? That's God's heart. I have no idea why God would use, use people like us that are messed up and broken and, you know, and we, we resist and we want to be comfortable. I have no idea why God would choose to use us. But he does because it makes his name that much more known. And our story is that much more powerful of a God who restores and redeems. Amen? And so God's heart for mission is this idea of going despite our desire for comfort. And so we're going to take a look at a story in Exodus 3 uh, of a guy who gets invited to go. And he has a little conversation with God about that calling to go. And it's fascinating because I find myself going through the exact same stuff uh, of wrestling with what it means to go. 
In Exodus 3 is the story of Moses, and, and Moses uh, encounters the burning bush. I don't know if anybody encountered a burning bush in here. Uh, it kind of would freak me out, right? I don't know, I mean, I don't know about you, but a bush that doesn't, it's burning and it's going crazy, and it talks to you. I mean, kind of crazy. But, you know, Moses has this encounter with the burning bush, and, and I want you to listen to this. I mean, put yourself in this situation. If you're seeing a bush that's on fire, it won't burn up, and, and the bush starts talking to you. I'm not sure I would respond the same way Moses does, but here's how he responds. Okay, uh, he goes up on this mountain, and, and so Moses thought, verse 3, Exodus 3, verse 3, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Now listen to Moses' response. If a bush starts talking to you, I mean, I'm not answering, right? I'm running. I'm, I'm going, this is, this is crazy. I'm out of here. But Moses goes, right there he goes, here I am. <laughs> you know, talking bush, here I am. But it's on fire. I, here I am. You know, and so Moses has this conversation. And, and, and then he says this, um, um, do not come any closer, the bush says, which is God. Take off your sandals, I mean, it's just an odd encounter, and so he takes off his sandal, and this place is holy ground, and he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God, and he realized he was in the presence of God, and, 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 and the Lord goes on to say, I have seen the misery. I have seen the people that are hurting. I have seen the need. I have seen the need for people to know me. And he goes on and he has this conversation with him and he says this. Um, verse 10. So now, go. And he says, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of, out of Egypt. And so Moses has these three excuses. And I think we have the same three excuses when we hear God prompt us to go. Now, we'll talk a little bit about what this means because it could mean some of you are called to some crazy places. You know, it, it might mean that you, this, we're talking about your neighbor. It might mean that we're talking about your workplace. It might mean that we're talking about your city. Uh, we don't know where God is calling you to go. But I do know this. He is calling you to step out and be his hands and feet. That's the story he's written. And so Moses comes up with these excuses. And to be honest, I think they're the same excuses we come up with. So he says this, you know, go. And so Moses says this. Um, in, verse, in verse 11, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And I mean, how many of us, would, really, you want me to go? I can't go. What good would it, I mean, part of, you know, me and my story is I was on staff at a church for 10 years in Southern California. And I'd been wrestling with for a year about hearing God's voice, and God really said, hey, Matt, I want you to help build the church in Europe. And, I, and the first thing was, really? Like, that doesn't make sense. You know, I got two kids. Uh, you know, do you want me to move over there? Like, what, what does this look like? And so I, I argued with him, like, you can't possibly send me. What can an American teach the, the English? You know, what can the American teach the Germans? I mean, I, this isn't possible. And, and yet God says, I want you to help build the church in Europe. And so God works in these ways where we say, you can't possibly be talking to me. You can't possibly be thinking that I'm the one that's going to go do this. 
That neighbor that you drive by their house and you look at them and go, they're, they're mean to the kids, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're the, the whatever, they're the, you drive by as fast as you can, you walk by as fast as you can, God, don't call me to that person. We all have those people in our life. And yet God says, go. And we make up excuses in the midst of that. And so Moses isn't done there because God says, you know, it's not about you. I'm going to be with you. You go. And, so, and then he goes, well, um, if I go, what should, who should I tell them sent me? <laughs> you know, he comes, is this, what should I tell them? Why am I here? Why am I called? What, what, what is this conversation about? And, and, and God says this in, in verse um, 3. He says, uh, Moses, um, tell them I am who I am. <laughs> great name, right? I am who I am sent me. I mean, you know, and, and so he tells Moses, he goes, it, it doesn't really matter who I am. You need to go. You need to stop making excuses. You need to step out and you need to go. And here's the best one. Is in chapter four, God goes on and says this whole, you know, story calls him and in, in verse four, Moses comes up with his, his last excuse and he says this, you know, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? And, and, and we all have kind of that doubt is, is, God, are you really calling me? Did I really hear your voice? Is this really what you want me to do? And if I'm honest, in those moments, I'm making it about me because I don't want to feel stupid. God, if this is crazy, this can't possibly be you. And I come up with every excuse why this possibly can't be God calling me to go. And yet Moses does the exact same thing. And he gives this one phrase that I think is one of the most powerful phrases in the entire Bible. Is he looks at Moses and he says this. What is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And you can see Moses, the shepherd, you know, holding this piece of wood. And you can see him look at his hand and he, and he answers, he goes, a staff. And God says, lay it down. And so he lays it down on the ground. And as soon as he lays it down, it becomes a snake. It becomes something living, breathing, active. It's running around. And Moses' response to the snake is, I'm out of here. You know, I, I don't like snakes. And so he runs away. He goes, no, I don't want to be a part of this. I can't possibly set this down. And God says, he comes back and he says, pick it up. And he doesn't say, pick it up in the normal way that you'd pick up a snake. Because I've watched, you know, Steve Irwin. Do you guys remember him? God bless his, you know, Steve Irwin on the, the crocodile hunter guy on the TV. I mean, that was an awesome show. But, you know, he never picked it up by the tail. Even though he got stung and, you know, but it was a stingray. But, you know. But he picked it up closer to the head because you don't want the snake to bite you. So God says, hey, lay it down. It's going to become active and living. It becomes a snake. We run away. It's dangerous. It's risky. And then he says, hey, pick it back up. And don't pick it up back by the normal way that's safe and comfortable. Pick it up by the most possible risky way that you can get bitten. And he picks it back up. And it becomes a staff again. And if you know the story of, of Moses you know that that staff gave living water for the people. That staff was held high for military victories. That staff parted the Red Sea. That staff did some incredible miracles that the people 
knew that God was real. But here's the thing about the staff. Is as a shepherd, the most important thing you can have, there's two most important things you can have as a shepherd. You know what they are? You need some sheep. That's really important. Otherwise, you're a shepherd, right? You need some sheep. You can't, have, you can't be a shepherd without sheep. But the second thing you need is what? You need a staff. And, and, and so I, I want you to reframe this question a little bit of what God is asking Moses. He, you know, he's saying, this is not about you. I've asked you to go. This isn't about whether you're going to be embarrassed. This isn't about what, what, you know, your comfort zone. This is about people knowing my name. And he says this to Moses. Uh, what is in your hand? And in Moses' hand is a staff. And the staff not only represents, you know, it's a stick and a piece of wood. But it represents his identity as a shepherd. It represents his income as a shepherd. It represents his protection against lions and other stuff. The staff represents all of who Moses is. And even in some places, if you know the story of Moses, the staff represents the past. Where he had everything he could possibly dream of. He had every comfort imaginable. And yet in the midst of that was failure of killing an Egyptian. And so the staff represented the past. It represented failures. It represented his identity. It represented his income. It represented his entire being was wrapped up in this thing that was in his hand. And God said, will you trust me? Will you lay it down? Will you lay down something that is dead? Something that you think I can't use? Will you lay down something that you think is worthless? And will you watch me turn it into a living, breathing thing? And so the conversation for us today and the question for us today is, will you go? And as you go, as you step out, I'd love for you just in this moment, and we're going to have ministry time, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship, but I'd love for you in this moment to look at your hand, to make a fist, and look at your hand. Don't hit the person next to you, right? But make a fist. And I just want you to spend some time right now inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What is in your hand? What is it that you're holding on to? Is it your identity? Is it your career? Is it your income? Is it your finances? Maybe it's even your faith. You know, what is it that's in your hand that you're holding on tight to? Maybe it's the excuses uh, that you've been making for how God has been prompting you to go to the neighbor, to in the workplace. Maybe it's a country he wants you to visit. Maybe it's a ministry he wants you to be a part of. Maybe for some of you, what's in your hand represents some brokenness, some failures. For me, and part of my story is uh, I went through divorce about eight years ago. My whole life came crashing down. My ex-wife had multiple affairs, and, and I was in the midst of betrayal and just brokenness. And in my hand was, God, you can't possibly use this.
And yet I've gotten to see God redeem and restore marriages and, and have conversations with people that are in the midst of pain and brokenness because something similar is happening in their life. God wants to use what's in your hand. Maybe your story is like Jamie. And Jamie was a friend of mine that was involved in our, our small group. And Jamie, we didn't want to share her story. She was embarrassed by her story. And, and, and she hadn't told anybody about her story. And she finally had the courage to share her story. And what we heard was 10, 12 years ago, she was involved in the adult entertainment industry. She was a stripper. She was embarrassed. She felt shameful. She was broken. And yet here's this story of pain and brokenness in her hand. And we invited her. We said, God, God wants to use that story. God wants to redeem that story. God wants to restore that story. And as we encouraged her, we finally got her uh, to step out. And she stepped out and said, okay, I'm ready to go. And we got her trained by a church in Los Angeles to go into strip clubs and do ministry to the girls that are trapped in that industry. And now every single month, Jamie takes a group of people and they visit every single club in our area and they put together bags with gifts in the bags, a Bible in the bag, jewelry, uh, makeup, all kinds of stuff and they bring them into the girls and they say, we see you, we love you, there's a God who cares about you. If you want out, we would love to help you get out. All because of this pain and this brokenness of her story that was in her hand. And she was willing to set it down and say, God, I want to watch what you're going to do. Maybe it's your career, and, and there's a story of a friend, uh, my friend Lee, who was an attorney. She was a lawyer. And sometimes you think good things can't come out of a lawyer, right? But, you know, they're kind of, they're always about money. They're always about, you know, getting justice and, and, and kind of, you know, uh, getting the, the people that are, commit wrongs off free and all this kind of stuff. But she was an attorney, and she said, okay, God, I've surrendered my life to you. How can you use a gift, a passion of a lawyer to for your kingdom? And, and God said, God brought in her path. He said, you know, I want you to start a legal ministry. What does that mean? I want you to gather all the lawyers in the church, and I want you to start a ministry, and I want you to do free cases for those that are in need in the community. And she said, you're insane. I don't know anybody in this church. She's brand new, just became a Christian, just went through the discipleship process. And what's crazy is, last year, there's 65 attorneys in her ministry, and they did 27 cases for free for those in need. She was willing to say, I don't know what to do with what's in my hand, but I'm willing to set it down and watch what you're going to do. And so the question and the challenge for you tonight is God's heart is for the world. God's heart is, is, is for every single person in this city, all 120,000 of them, to know Jesus. I mean, that's his heart. And he's willing to do whatever it takes. He's willing to use our messed up stories to be a reflection of the gospel and redemption and restoration of who our God is. But there's one condition. It requires you to go. It requires you to look at what's in your hand and have the courage to say, okay, God, we're going to let it down. And so what I'd love for you to do, those of you that still have your fists like this, I just want to spend some time praying. I just want to spend some time inviting the Holy Spirit just to ask us. I want you to invite, ask him, God, what is it in my hand that I'm holding on to that's preventing me from going? Lord, what is in my hand that you want me to set down 
Lord, what is in my hand that you want to use that I thought was dead is actually you want to make alive and, and you want to use as part of your gospel story. And so I just want to spend some time right now just praying and just asking, God, what's in your hand? Will you do that with me? God, we come before you right now. God, you are so amazing. And God, you are a God who wants to use every aspect of our life for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray right now for just the spirit to just to move. Just for us to wrestle with what is it that was in our hand? What is it that we're holding on to? What is it that you want us to lay down? What is it that you want us to surrender, Lord? And Lord, would we have the courage to set it down, to go and watch what you're going to do with this thing that we thought was useless, that we thought was dead, that we thought you couldn't possibly use, that we've created an idol out of it. Whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that you just allow us the space to lay it down.